Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I trust you've all been well and amazing. Uh, I'm really excited about today's episode of Soul Talk. Uh, I get to to have a conversation with someone I've wanted to chat with for a while. I read his book uh, many years ago. Uh, You may already know of him his best-selling book, The Reconnection, Heal Others heal and Heal Yourself in over, who knows, it says 39 languages, but probably more. He's traveled the world teaching people his method of healing modality. He's been featured on Dr. Oz, New York Times, CNN, and so much more. Welcome to Soul Talk, Dr. Eric Pearl. Thank you so much, Kut, for inviting me onto your program. Yeah, thanks for coming on. You know, I heard about you quite a while ago and uh, really enjoyed they're your lies. book. You know, you know they're all lies. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> we get to find out today. <laughs> uh, so I've been looking forward to, to, to being able to have the conversation, so I'm glad we made it happen. Um, before we dive into to the bunch of questions I have, I would love for you to share with the audience. I'm always curious about people's childhoods and their upbringing and like what in their childhoods perhaps connects and was either the inspiration or or had an influence on where you are today. And so you're the creator of, you know, Reconnective Healing. So I'm just curious about like growing up, childhood, was there stuff in your childhood, parents, were they into the sort of healing modalities? I know you began as a chiropractor. So just tell me a bit about what what led to this, to, to doing what you're doing now. Well, <laughs> You know, it's an interesting question. And what happens is, is where do you go? How far back? Now, obviously, you're not looking to go so far back where, um, you know, where um, the intelligence of the universe was deciding what parents should meet to, you know, have what offspring to have what offspring to have what offspring. But many people would say, and I don't know that I would disagree with them, that it may have had something to do with my birth itself, because my mother died giving birth to me um, while I was still inside of her and had a life after death experience as Raymond Moody originally coined the phrase later to be uh, modified to sound nicer to near death experience. But uh, people who if they died, they'll tell you they weren't near death, they died. Um, while she was on the table and then came back to life. Whoa. And... Um, I didn't know this. She'd apparently told a couple of people, you know, at that time and then stopped telling them because back then we didn't have Raymond Moody. We didn't have Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. We didn't have some of the wonderful current time um, presenters in this field. And so it sounded strange. 
when my grandmother died, I was about five years old. My idea, my, my concept when she died of death was that you end up in a deep hole in the ground and there you are for eternity. And that didn't sound too appealing to me. So I went home and I told my mother about this and she sat me down to explain what happened. She said, in essence, um, she was lying on the delivery room table and she heard very loud motors starting at her ankles and her feet. And no one seemed disturbed by this sound in, in, in the room during the uh, whole process. And they started shutting off at her feet and then her ankles and then her knees. And she's looking around and looking around and doesn't understand why everyone's not bothered by this. And she knew that if it got to her heart, she would die. And she did not want to die, but there it got to her heart. The next thing she knows, she was leaving her body. And she left and found herself passing through layers, as she said, or levels of beings. The first were people who had recently died and, you know, weren't sure where they were or how to move on or whether to go. And the second, she doesn't remember. The third level was the only one that was seemingly a little awkward, uncomfortable. It was those who had taken their lives. And there was a discomfort around that for those on that level and those passing through, but she felt that eventually it would be transcended. And she went up and finally got to the top level where there was a gorgeous light and flowers. And she found herself drifting down a lane instead of a tunnel, I guess, um, without her feet moving. And she didn't want to look at that light because it was so very bright. She was certain that it would burn her eyes. So she tried not to look and then she had to. And it didn't burn at all. And she saw flowers of colors she'd never seen before. She saw people that she knew from, realized she knew from many lifetimes. And um, she realized that we were all there. Everyone was there to support and guide her in that direction. And I'm condensing this story very much for you mm -hmm. uh, because nowadays so many of us know so much more about this it's really it's it's the second chapter in the reconnection but in essence she found herself presented to a light and on her way to that light she was um or at that light she was infused with the secrets of the universe how you cannot judge someone by their appearance how um how war is such a barbaric concept that we will move through um, so many different things, so many different things. And at this light, suddenly her life was laid out before her. And she said, I knew it was a good life and yet there was no judgment, you know, which sounds contradictory. How can you know something's good without some, you know, degree of judgment? But she knew that and it was such a beautiful place and her life was laid out before her and all these universal concepts and understandings and suddenly she found herself being sent back and for all the struggling she had done not to die in the first place now she did not want to leave but she was told she had to come back to raise her son and on the way back she found herself all of these insights and understandings she had were leaving her rapidly so when she sort of came to on the gurney being rolled back um, into the room, my father was standing next to her. She said, I now know the secrets of the universe. I'm programmed to forget them. Please write them down. And he said, yes, 
yet for some reason he didn't. Um, there's another concept. How do, how do you like feeling deprived of the secrets of the universe from your own father? But that, that's a whole other story. Anyhow, she found herself in the next bed and she opened her eyes and saw this woman in another bed next to her. And she thought to herself, God, is that an unattractive woman? And then she started to laugh. She said, now, didn't I just learn better than that? And it struck her funny because, you know, we, we have our earlier programming onto this. And then there was that. And the woman told her she was reciting scripture in tongues. She didn't know other languages. She didn't know scripture. Um, but it was a fascinating story. And I can't help but feel that being still inside, being still attached umbilically, some part of that had something, yeah. some effect on me. So do you want to start it there? For after sure. That, <laughs> after that, life seemed fairly normal, you know, um, diapers and all the stuff that kids go through and, you know, wonderful, well-meaning, intelligent, loving parents. And I went to school and did all those amazing things I that everyone does. I do remember one strange thing. You know, it was very difficult for me writing this book. Hey, Hal said, go back and write about yourself. Who, who pays attention to yourself? You'd have to climb into everyone else to even have a comparison. So I don't yeah. know. But I do remember that somewhere, I'm going to say seven years old as a guess, my grandfather brought me a big box of broken wristwatches. I mean, he would keep his watches forever. He would take them to be repaired, repaired, repaired until they couldn't be. And said, here, you know, he figured it'd be a toy that a little kid would like to play with all wristwatches. I don't know why. But what I found was I was able to hold them between my hands. You know how some people can't wear those winding watches because they're, they're um, uh, let's call them a magnetic system, throws them off and stops them. Mine somehow turned them on. So I had uh, my, my friend's parents would bring me their old broken watches and say, well, you tell your friend to hold the watch. So I had a few strange things going on, but not a lot, not really a lot. And, you know, until you ask me this question right now, it's interesting right now, I just got an insight that I didn't have until this very moment. Wow which was in looking to write the book and write about myself and, and the publisher wanted, you know, find some special stories and unique and, and I stretched and I found them. They're, they're, they're all real, but there's not a lot. And I thought, why isn't there something special? This got to be something special here. I mean, I even went to like, you know, your Ori Geller or somebody's spoon bending class. And I was the only one who couldn't bend the spoon. So, you know, <laughs> where's the special? I think part of the purpose of, this of understanding is in truly the knowingness that there is nothing special about healing any more than we have to understand that everyone is special and simultaneously no one is special. And that's a difficult grasp because when something relatively uncommon occurs, you consider it a gift and your ego starts really listening to that aspect of it. Yeah. And um, I know, you know, I, I went to school. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I spoke with someone who was a chiropractor who explained 
how the brain and the nervous system runs through the body and it goes to all the organs and allows our tissue to regenerate. And when the spine is twisted out of position, it's pressure on the nerve. So the cells don't turn over with healthy cells and those organs get sick and we're out of health and chiropractic frees the pressure from the nerves, lets the brain body communication take place again. The cells start replacing themselves healthy. I said, that sounds cool. I think I'll do that. It works. It's beautiful. But let's just say I practice chiropractic for a while. I went to school. I went into school with that understanding of what real chiropractic is, what's called called principled or straight chiropractic. You move something out of the position or back into position, the body heals itself. School, however, unteaches you chiropractic. It unteaches you what the truth of it is because they want you to become pseudo-medical doctors. It teaches you to address symptoms, aches, and pains to make people feel better, but it, it doesn't understand the healing that chiropractic is. It, it's, it's hard enough to find out that the first chiropractic patient didn't have back pains at all. They were deaf. Oh. And this guy, Harvey Lillard from, um, in, I think he was in the Toronto area, um, was deaf. And so um, D.D. Palmer and uh, D.D. and B.J. Palmer, the founders of chiropractic, I think it was uh, D.D., the, the first one, came, found something out of place in his spine, adjusted it back in, took the pressure off the nerve, and the hearing returned. They thought it was a cure for deafness. So mm. they started <laughs> promoting it, and deaf people were coming in from all around North America and, you know, getting their back and their neck popped, and some of them regained their hearing, and as the joke goes, some of them lost their hearing. Not really, but... Um, and so... Going to school, the powers that wanted everyone to be pseudo-medical didn't really want you to follow that. Um, The essence of chiropractic really was removing that twisted bone, that subluxation, and they don't even like to talk about that a lot in school. So I found that again. And in finding that after nine years of practicing aches and pains, people started having healings. Starting to have healings, not yet what we call reconnective healing. During that process, after I rediscovered that, I started pausing for a moment. I would make the same physical adjustments that I made before, but I would pause for one moment, just like I'm looking at you now, and I would just allow myself to recognize the connection, just to recognize it, just maybe take a breath with it. And then I'd make that very same physical adjustment and the level of the healing had increased. Three years into that, I held my hands near one of my patients and all of a sudden their body started to move and strange things started to occur. And that's when the healings took place. So if we want to dig into it, what happened was, was that one night in my 12th year of practice as a chiropractor, I I would say I went home one night as as a doctor and I came back on a Monday and I was something else. My parents always always told me I was something else, but this is probably not what they were thinking. Hmm. And so um, I walked into the office. I'm going to back up an inch more. I went home one night, went to sleep. And about an hour later, I was awakened by a really bright light, rudely piercing (laughs) through my closed eyes. I opened my eyes and somehow or other, the lamp lamp next to my bed had turned itself on. 
Okay. My bedroom door that was closed when I went to sleep was open. Now I'm thinking someone's in my house. They turned my light on. I got up with a knife, biggest one I could find, uh, an empty can of pepper spray from an old self-defense course and my Doberman pincher who hid behind me. And we searched through the house, couldn't find anyone. I went back to sleep. I went into my office that Monday and my employees started asking me what happened to me over the weekend that I looked different and I sounded different. And there was a story of what happened that weekend. We won't dig into that now. Um, as I held my hands near my patients, their bodies started going into involuntary movements, their arms, their legs, their muscles would pull, their eyes would dart back and forth. When they opened their eyes, they said they were seeing colors they'd never seen, smelling flowers they'd never smelled. Now, people started getting up one out of a wheelchair right there that first day. Others, soon after, parents started calling me saying, what did you do? My child has cerebral palsy or epilepsy, and they can run and walk and play and speak normally, and they're not having seizures anymore, and they don't need their medications. Mm -hmm. Not everyone did this happen to, but a significant percentage of a significant number of people we're having these responses. So, Coot, here comes the connection. In having that story makes me sound like, what, chosen, unique, hmm. special. And so, no matter how I could, you know, and when, and I started to believe that. My ego thought that it was some kind of a gift. Not that I had an ego saying I'm special and you're not, but that there was some kind of a gift. And researchers started coming out, studying it, saying they're finding new aspects of light and information in a field that they had not seen before or around me. And media was coming and people were asking me to teach this. And I said, teach this? You've got to be insane. I'm standing there waving my hands and they're looking like an idiot. You go outside, do it. Let me know what, you know, your neighbors say about you. But courses started pushing at it. And there was something in um, the Los Angeles area called the, um, I can't even remember what it was called. It was an adult. Learning um, Annex. Learning yes, the Learning Annex. Thank you. The Learning Annex. So they invited me to speak there and I, drove out and I, I tried to write down notes of how to, how can I teach something like this? Um, and I got there and 25 people were eagerly looking at me and I it was me and a massage <laughs> table and notes. And I looked at the notes. I looked at them. I looked at the notes. I looked at them. I, I, I knew I couldn't do it that way. I crumbled up the notes. I threw them away right in front of everyone. And I said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you the story of what it is. I'm going to allow you to feel this in your hands and then we're going to take turns working with people and let's just see what happens. And well, I'll just say at the end of those few hours, we released 25 new healers onto an unsuspecting planet. My phone started ringing and um, I had to buy my very first computer. Um, but there's no teaching. You see, reconnective healing is not an energy healing technique. It's not Reiki, Jirage, and Shin, Shigong, this one, that one, the other one. Because there is no technique. There's no, te there's no technique. There are no steps. There are no procedures. As a matter of fact, the key is there is no technique. Now, really, if you think about it, technique is designed to self-dissolve. 
Mm. I mean, really, if you you learn a bicycle, if you learn a bicycle with training wheels, are you supposed to get further and further into more and more different sets of advanced training wheels with lights and bells and whistles? Are you supposed to take the suckers off? You have to take them off. Now, you might master the bicycle with training wheels and have lots of different training wheels on there, but the only way you're going to master the bicycle is to take them off. It's the same thing with healing. The only way that you're going to master healing is to let go of the technique. We're either here to master the bicycle with training wheels or to master the bicycle. We're either here to master energy healing techniques or we're here to not just master healing, but it's the, our own self-mastery which is allowing mm-hmm. us to reveal to ourselves that we are healing. Yeah. Not, you can't even do healing because yeah. you can't do who you are. Can you, you do are. who you are? No, you just are. are. It's I am. It's the essence. So all this time I would talk about we're teaching you healing because I was looking at it all through that duality linear concept, not realizing that it's a revealing that we are oneness, that we are healing and that we're not revealing it to you. When we have these training programs, when we teach people how to do reconnective healing, you being the healing are the revelation. You are revealing it to yourself. Healing really is about the oneness, the unity that we are. Healing is love. Technique cannot get you there. You can learn a few things about relationships, but if you want to end up in a real love relationship, you have to let those steps go. You can't technique your way into healing any more than you can technique your way into love. And this really pisses some people off. They don't like the concept because they become so invested in the studying, in the methods and step halfway and I'm closer and step halfway and I'm closer and step halfway and I'm even closer, but you're never going to get there because you only step halfway and it's hard for people to grasp. So I thought naively, Hay House came and they, they, someone sent them a copy of me sharing who I was and I didn't even know. And they got it and they wanted me to write the first book. And I said, I don't know how to write a book. And they said, well, you're going to do it this way. You're going to do the first third is going to be about your early life. Second third about the healing and the third portion is a how to. So I followed their instructions, but you can't technique your way into it is part of what I'm saying. There's nothing to do. It's about a recognition of who we are. Oh, so we did the learning annex started speaking in a couple other places And I thought I was teaching people. I really did until I had to grasp that you can't teach it. Then I thought, well, there are people who teach energy healing techniques. So I'll hire some of them to work with me and they'll give me some of their insight from their experiences. So I hired a Reiki master teacher who was saying, now when everyone comes into your class, you go around and you activate their crown chakra and you can activate their hand. So I thought I was sharing something with them, igniting it somehow with them. But I would start to activate people's crown chakras and other people across the room were going, I got it, I got it. It was already there. Other people were lying down on the massage tables and their hands were going into all sorts of crazy things. 
not necessarily that it was a real response, but I think sometimes we get a little bit involved in wanting something so much that we sort of back ourselves up with a little performance. But somehow or other, I moved from that into feeling that the sharing of what science was saying, the new aspects of energy, light, and information was igniting this in them. Sort of like um, at the time when I was looking at computers, there was a different kind of a plug in, but there was a new receptacle on the computers that was waiting for the new computers to come out or, or the cords to come out and do it. So I figured, oh, well, something is like in the humans waiting to be activated. It's not in humanity that it's waiting to be activated. And this is a difficult one for me because it's not what I was saying. It is the recognition that we are awareness. It wow. is the recognition that we are oneness. It's the discovery. And people go, yeah, but I want a healing. I don't need to discover this. No, we do. Because our healing allows us to reveal ourselves to ourselves. And the revealing of ourselves, the recognition of who we are, allows us to be in healing. So it's back to that cycle of infinity. And that's a really long answer to your very first question. And I apologize. And I'll try to slow down a little bit. I love it. So no technique. No. Beautiful. None. So... so, so just to, I have so many things I want to ask, but, but let's just start with that. No technique, so this reconnective healing is you just step, you sit there, you just like put your hands there, you just wave your hands, you just, like do you do anything? What do you do <laughs> for those that are like? Well, how do I practice this reconnective healing? Right. Well, you sort of recognize what do you do. Um, and like what's different than I know, say, I know, I know, sitting at a park or at the dinner with someone. Yeah, I'm not lost. I'm just lost in finding <laughs> words <laughs> to help because it really doesn't matter where you are. You receive. You are a receiver. You receive in the knowingness that everything is perfect, that there is no such thing as fear. There is no concept of evil, there may be more and less pleasant things. We can choose the ways we can experience things, but you receive. So is it God? Is it love? Is it the intelligence of the universe? It doesn't care whether we call it watermelon. We're the only ones who run out and murder people over using the words that we don't think that they should use. Um, and you receive. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll play with you with this. How's this? Um, okay. Take one hand, open it like that. Good. Now, you need not worry about airtime. I promise, as you figured out already, you won't have dead air with me. Okay? What I want you to do is I want you to just look at your hand. Keep your fingers spread a little tightly so you feel it pull at your palm. And watch your fingers and do your best to hold them still. All I'm doing is I'm receiving. I'm not sending anything. When I do this, you feel nothing or you feel something. Tell me, 
Look at your hand, not in the camera, but look at your hand. When I do this, you feel nothing or you feel something. Hmm? Do you see your pinky? Yeah, I'm, try I'm trying to keep it still, but it's, it's kind of... It doesn't want to stay still, does it? Right. Now, where are you? What part of the country? I'm in L.A. Okay. And right now I'm about an hour outside of Chicago. What in the world could I be doing playing here without even subconsciously, subliminally putting a concept into your head that there'll be movement that's causing your finger to want to move? Now, watch your hands. I'm going to pull my hands further away, further away. Does that movement or sensation decrease or does it increase? It felt like it increased, I'll be honest. Yeah, right, yeah. absolutely. Maybe it's just some fluke with that hand. Switch hands. Okay. Look directly at your hand, not the camera. What do you notice? Definitely a subtle sensation. Uh-huh. And now as I stretch further away or wiggle my fingers, what happens to that sensation? How's it affected? Similar to, to the other hand. It, it felt like okay. it increased a bit. At least it felt that way. Right. That's all. <clears throat> Look, it's just a beginning of awareness. It's not that you're having an awareness. You are awareness. This interaction is a taste of our shared being, as Rupert Spira might say. You and I, one. Everyone, one. As soon as we grasp that we are all of one being, even though we appear differently. We dress differently. We have different personalities. It's kind of like there are waves in the ocean that look and appear and act differently one one another, but they're of one being, that ocean. When we recognize that we are all of that one being, suddenly everything changes. All we can do is receive. I can't send anything to you. I received and you responded. If you want something, can you send it to yourself? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to pick it up? Where are you going to send it to? You just receive. You don't worry. You don't say, oh, what's the source I'm receiving from? Because you know that you're essence, that there's nothing to live in fear of. And some people will teach that you should be in fear and protect yourself from this, that, and the other, and shake off the negative energy and the bowls of salt water and spray yourself down with alcohol and only go in a clockwise direction, I, I think, until you then cross the equator and then do you have to turn in the other direction? I don't know. It's all rather confusing because it's made up. Your essence is you just are. So what we learn in a way, if there's learning here, is to see through the illusion of separation. This is a bottle of tea. This is a microphone. That's you. That's me. To see through the illusion of duality and receive and recognize that my receiving 
was your receiving, was the receiving of, we don't have to send healing then and share it with the people that we love because our receiving is their receiving. And it's the receiving of the people that we don't know. And it's the receiving of the people that we don't really like at all because we just don't get to pick and choose. We can only live in an illusion that creates evil and separation and all these concepts that we buy into until we realize that there's something else. I didn't know these children had cerebral palsy or epilepsy. I didn't know their seizures started. I didn't know they stopped. What we discovered is in watching, in learning, in receiving, and being immersed at, I guess now what we call the training programs, where you get to see, like your question, what do you do? What do you do? I sit there. I move my hands. I allow myself to feel sensations. I become a higher level of cognizance, awareness of the awareness that I am. And, and it happens. You don't have to worry about where you are. Sure, if you're doing this professionally, it's nice to have a, a nice massage table, let people take off their shoes, a little you know, softer, quiet sound in the background, lovely things. But the point is, if you're out at a public gathering in a music festival and someone's um, having a physical problem and they've had too many beers and tequilas and you may have had a couple too, guess what? Your essence is still perfect. Would I set it up that way to say, oh, no, I'm sorry. You're going to have to come in and see me next week. I've had drinks and you've had drinks. No, you're here. You're one. You receive. Everything else is an exterior that isn't real. Reconnective healing brings this energy light and information, this vibration in a sense, this resonance that allows that everything that is not the truth of who you are falls away. That includes physical limitations, mental situations, emotional challenges. It allows them to fall away without even knowing what they are. As a matter of fact, the less we know, the less you, if you learn reconnective healing, the less you know about the person you're facilitating healing is the better off they are and the better off you are. Beautiful. Um, you talked about energy and light. Um, I guess we're with our physical eyes, we're not seeing it. Um, is, are, there, are there any things we can do to sensitize ourselves more to energy. Be in presence. I'm telling you, these answers would really have irritated me years ago. Honest to God, I'm, I'm not someone who's going to sit down and, and meditate for, you know, 45 minutes in the morning and 45 minutes in the afternoon or do it for 30 days. And, and really, I, I think that, you know, probably when we leave this physical body and we're presented into St. Peter or whoever we're presented in front of, they're not going to say, how many hours a day did you sit cross-legged and ohm? Um, because there's an understanding that we are meditation. You don't do meditation. It doesn't matter. That's why it doesn't matter whether you're meditating with mantras or visions or tones or, or you're not meditating at all. Because you are that. 
I'd be present and I receive. And here is the key. And the key comes a little bit through, people would want to say practice. I don't know that I would use that word as much as I would say experience in a sense. The key is a knowingness. After you see something happen, you know it. You know, there used to be people who, listen, there was a three-month period of time where I held my hands near some of my patients. They lost consciousness and started speaking words. Six verbatim phrases. The first guy, patient it happened to, had been a patient of mine for a few months. And one day I held my hands near him and his head jerked back and his eyes rolled and his mouth opened and his tongue moved and air came out and he said, it's kind of a highest kind of a voice that then got deeper. He said, we are here to tell you to continue doing what you were doing. What you were doing is bringing light and information onto the planet. And I thought, all right, well, here's some guy. I guess he has his own little, you know, number thing going on and it's all right. But two days later, it happened to three other patients. They said, we're here to tell you to continue doing whatever, what you're doing. What you're doing is bringing light and information onto the planet. Two of them said, what added, what you're doing is reconnecting strands. One of them said, what you're doing is reconnecting strings. A few days later, that first patient came back in and added, what you're doing is reconnecting strings. None of these people knew each other. Five people a few days later, over the next three months, over 50, five, zero. Patients of mine lost consciousness and spoke these words. And then it stopped. Suddenly, from everyone except for the first patient, Fred Ponslove, and we kept recording messages that started coming through in more and more depth. And we held onto them for about 20 years. We finally published it in a second book that's called um, Solomon Speaks on Reconnecting Your Life. But what's What's the challenge is this, is I'm sharing with people that you can do anything and everything that I can do in the field of healing, if not as well, maybe even better if you insist on using a judgment concept, which is only judgment is the only thing that's going to get in our way anyhow, so please don't. But the story of how this started with everyone's linear upbringing makes it seem, oh, Eric Pearl, he's special. I need to get it through him. He's the source. No. There is only one source. It's the source of everyone and everything. And all we're sharing is learning that we all have equal access to this short, to this source. We all have it. And our judgment or ego, our insecurities entices us to give the power away because we're used to that. It must be this one they're special. It must be that one who's special. And there are a multitude of teachers out there who are reinforcing that concept, which is really, you know, they're saying, you know, and, and you come and every 30 days, we're going to have a free this. And then and every 21 days, you know, you can sign up and get this and you can do that and you can be on the program with it and you can be receiving. And it's like, they're reinforcing their own position at the expense of humanity, of beingness. You know, we do, on, on Wednesdays, I do something on um, 
Instagram for like 45 minutes where we let people just sit in the experience and then we chat and talk about it. It's not about fees and charging and being special and except in understanding that no one is special and therefore everyone is special. It's just our interaction is no one is touching and everyone is touching. So when one of two things needs to come about, and I'm going to tell you, it's probably the second. The first thing that, you know, would be nice to come about is for the teachers to let go of positioning themselves as teachers. And the first and best way to do that is to stop viewing those who are coming to them as students. You have to stop viewing people as students if you want to stop being pedestaled as a teacher. That may not come about very quickly because there's investment. There's financial investment. There's emotional investment. More, I like to say it's time for the students to become the teachers of the teachers. And in that, it's our knowingness that needs something. We need to know this. We need to know this. And when I talk about these things, I thought when I wrote the book, oh, people who are going to be most excited about this are the, re, are, are the healing teachers of all these various techniques. Oh, no. They were the biggest bastion of defense against it because their position felt challenged. It's like, you know, why are you making fun of energy healing techniques? I'm, I'm not. I don't think so. I'm sharing that there's a revelation here, which is for the benefit of all beingness. And we are either on with this or we're not. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, like, I really appreciate where you're coming from, um, from the standpoint of talking about like, no, there's nothing special. I'm not special. No one is special. No one is special. Everyone's special. Right. And I, I think there is such a, especially you see in the sort of energy healing kind of like, I'm so special. I've got this thing. I'm do, I, I am the doer that's doing the healing to someone and, 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 and the ego kind of gets identified and puffed up in that. And so how, what advice can you, can you give about letting go of that egoic you know, grip, because it, it holds tightly. It well, holds first tightly. of all, right. First of all, let's throw away all the special clothes that have been passed down. To, you know, <laughs> this is my special cup. When I wear this color, the healings will do this. And, yeah. and, um, and, and let go of the, the, the deer skin that we think right. we have to wear and strapping the individual colored um, uh, crystals over the right chakras. Um, I can see why the energy healers sort of may not may may give you a hard time because you're you're, you're sort right. of you know busting the, the 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 gig a bit, yeah. Or 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 you go into the gatherings where lots of people are speaking and look at all the stuff they're trying to sell you just to yes. put money into their pockets, and it doesn't mean they're bad people. Right, right. A lot of them really believe in what they're doing, or sort of believe. And what they're doing. And I know from, from speaking with many people out there, whether it's Daniel Brinkley, whether it's um, mm. 
all these people speaking in life after death. We're all going to show up there and we're going to see each other, including those people who took our money, selling us useless things and put it into their pockets. And we're going to embrace them and love each other because they know that they needed to bring us to a sufficient point of fear until we could finally recognize I don't need to live in fear any longer. Right. right. I don't need to because fear is just some people would say it's the apps it's the it's, some people would say it's the opposite of well first of all some people would say love and hate are opposites they're not love and fear or are opposites but they're only opposite up to the point that you realize that fear itself is truly nothing that can be an opposite it's an absence of love mm. and when there's an absence of you nothing exists to be an opposite it's sort of like people saying, you know, the powers of good and evil are fighting. No, 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 no. Darkness is an absence of light. So it can't fight with someone. It's, it's when things, it's, it's us temporarily having forgotten the light and the essence and the truth of who we are. And therefore the biggest challenge to this is the simplicity. That's yeah. It's, it's, right. it's, it, you just simplified the whole thing. It's it's the simplicity. Yeah. The simplicity doesn't feed us. Right. The simplicity doesn't feed the ego. And on some on many hands, we walk around saying that we want to let go of the ego. Oh, we walk through crowds at these spiritual gatherings, and people come up to you and they'll they'll say, oh. You have an ego that needs to be released. I know this because I released mine, but yours needs to be released. And we're going, really? Really? Yeah, you got to be kidding. You got to be kidding. And, and on nice shoes, what did you do? Strap on clouds to your feet in the morning and walk around with your eyes half closed and that yes. oming smile. Can we be real, real healing for real people? Real healing for real people. Reconnective healing is what we call the direct path to healing because there is no path, because there is no time. There is no distance as we just experienced. There is just the recognition of who we are. The understanding that the healing that we're looking for is really already present. The healing that we're looking for is really us looking for our own happiness and not recognizing that we are happiness because as we look for something then we position it illusory as that is as non-existent not now so then when not here so when there when in the future in the past and yet here we are in our presence so people say yeah but i came for healing i want to learn how to heal i don't need this philosophy it's not philosophy it's a recognition of who we are and that is what allows us to receive our healing and being in that recognition is a resonance and a vibration this energy light and information that other people then allow themselves to tune into and access and so it's the healing for everyone we're conscious consciousness does not have an ego it does not have a point of view we are points of view, you know, as being the individual representations of that. Beautiful. Beautiful. I would have so to if, when you, if you listen to 
let me just drop this. If we listen to some wonderful people who speak on these arenas, one of my favorites is Rupert Spira. Um, He's good. In other words, yeah, Bernardo Castrop, um, Francis Lucille, Muji. I mean, when we allow ourselves to pause and listen to some of the greats who share this, suddenly we find that we become our own transformation. Do we know how or when it happened? Of course not, because how and when is illusion. So do we even need to go to a healer? Do we need to even go to, you know, to someone for a session, for a healing at that point? I want to say this carefully. Hmm. Um, sometimes we allow ourselves to receive first in a position that we allow ourselves to recognize as familiar. So the concept of receiving from a healer allows us to open up. Mm. And in yeah. the process, we start to discover that we are healers. So when people, you know, in Reconnective Healing, you can work in person, but we also teach you how to work via what looks like distance, but as we know, is not distance. So uh, if you're like on um, the Reconnection website, for example, you'll see that um, my life partner, Jillian, and I, just like the other instructors, offer a few healing sessions a month via distance. We sit in our homes. We receive. Then we talk to you afterwards on the phone, what we call a debrief. It's that debriefing conversation that allows us to open up. We recommend you consider whether you want to do one session or two or three. Don't keep going. Two or three, max. And let go. Don't water the same plant every day and drown it. Don't build or create a dependency that someone else needs to do this. One, two, or three sessions till you allow yourself to receive what you've actually already received, but in a way that you get to recognize it and then let go. Something else happens, you know, three months later, six months, two years, you know, you're hit by a bus. No, it doesn't mean you can't come back and have another reconnective healing session. Sorry, you were hit by a bus. Oh, well, you already had your three. It's your limit. It doesn't work that way. But it's about the recognition which comes in many ways. And for many people, it is the sharing of the insight and then going into the next session. We, we tell you, and if you are receiving a reconnective healing session, all you want to do is take off your shoes, lie down, and let go. Have no intention. Don't shake your finger figuratively at the universe and tell it, where the problem is. The problem's over here. No, no, move a little to the left. It's a different knee. This is where I want you to go. Spin the chakra this way. Fix that. We're so busy telling the intelligence of the universe where to go and what to do. And we want to get all prepared. We want to take off our oversized um, Western belt buckles. It's like, could you imagine, you know, God's floating up in the cloud going, I really want that coot to have a healing, but I'll never get through that belt buckle. I mean, we're so silly. <laughs> With, with some of the things to do. All limitation is created illusion on our part. How does someone who isn't trusting or doesn't feel that they, 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 they're not trusting yet life, this intelligence, is there anything 
any advice to cultivate more trust in? Test it. Test it. It either stands on its own two feet or it falls. So far, it didn't fall. I remember when I started facilitating reconnective healing and people said, you know, you could use neurolinguistic programming and you could anchor in the healing. So if it leaves, you can bring it back. Well, what are you doing? You're poisoning yourself by already creating an illusion that something that is, yes. is going to disappear. It can't. So all the things we do to help, it's like an attempt to add to the infinite. How can you add to the infinite? You can't, or it was never infinite to begin with. Um, you know, it's like, if you look out of one window, you see a perspective. If you look at another window, you see another perspective. If you look at another window, you see a kind of another picture. One has this kind of a tree. One has that kind of a tree. Our religions, our different views and perspectives onto a greater picture of unity and infinite that is one. We have finite experiences of the infinite being that we are, the being that Coot Blackson was before you entered this body, the being that you will continue as afterwards. Um, so, you know, if we look out of every window in a giant building, you'll get more and more of a picture, but you'll never see the whole picture because each window is limited by the window frame and further limited by the wall that supports the frame. So when we go up and only we go outside, up on the roof, maybe we can see 360 degrees in all directions. Do we see the whole picture? But now we can't add to the limitless. What are you going to add? You're going to bring up your own special window frame. Hey, everyone look out of this window frame. Do I have more of a picture? No, we've reduced it all to fit within that window frame. Our ego wants to feel that it knows yes. what we want or what the healing is. That's why there's so much teaching of intention in healing. What can you intend? You can't intend beyond that which the limitations of the human cerebral mind can come up with, can you? So the best you can get is what you're able to come up with. Hopefully you don't discover any limitations to that thinking aspect of the mind, or you get less than that. What if we just allow our attention to be in the healing? What if we stop saying we need groups of six or groups of 12 to do a healing as if more people are going to help us? What is that? Can you be 100% yourself? If you're going to share a healing with five other people, then everyone is either facilitating one-sixth of a healing <laughs> or you're giving that person 600%. Can you give someone 600%? I don't know. I think the meaning of a term 100% is because that's what it is. It's 100%. So you can't give 600% in that. So we think, well, that's all right. If everyone's giving one sixth of 100% and six people, the person receiving the healing is still getting the same thing, but not really. Because holographically, what is six times one sixth? It's one sixth. Everyone's getting less. Chase the other five people away. Get them out of the intention, which you don't want to be in in the first place. Only your ego wants you to be in the intention. Look, I intended this healing and I was able to facilitate. I, 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 me, me, me. Release it. Let's be in the beingness. And this way, we all allow ourselves to be that 100%. If it's only a healing for us as a facilitator, oh my God, thank you. And yet, the healing that we receive is the 
healing that everyone receives because we are all that awareness and we will allow ourselves to be, you know, in that evolution. Evolution really isn't the best word for it. Evolution is not really the best word. It's like we think what we're expanding. We think that we're expanding, but we're not. We're just recognizing the infinite that we have been all, the, all along. So in Reconnective Healing, we receive. It's, uh, for me, you know, Bernardo Castro would say at first, divinity is between, uh, healing is between you and divinity, but it's not really between you and divinity because it's you as divinity. And, and I, I, I am paraphrasing in that um, we teach people because you could feel like, like you felt with me when we shared, there's some sensation. We teach you follow your sensation, feel it, observe it. And then you'll see that you need not play with that anyway. What if I don't feel anything? Step out of it. It's all right. It's one of the ways that we may. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to feel something that way. Everything is receiving. So senses of feeling are receiving, just like listening to music is receiving. Listening to this conversation is reception. This is who we are. We're so busy going, it's better to give than to receive. Stop receive and be and that is the giving because ultimately it's the sharing it's healing loving this conversation i feel i feel what's beautiful is i feel like you want de democratizing you know healing in, in a certain way this whole concept this whole idea just making what has always been the case accessible to us all which has always been accessible, you know, in, in a very beautiful way. Right. Two final questions. Um, sure. Let's say someone is feeling stuck and they're not shifting, they're not healing. Um, is it, maybe it's a physical thing, right? Or is, is it, are they just destined? Is that, is, is, is just that their path? Like, can, can, like, why do some people seem to shift and some people don't? And some people didn't even seem to believe that they could really heal, yet it happens for them. And why do some people, you know, some spiritual folks that they believe it and they meditate and they do all the things and drink the green juice still don't heal? Is it, is it just that's their life path and, and their destiny? And right. can, can you, could you speak to that? They drink the juice, but hopefully not the Kool Aid. <laughs> right. Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use the term stuck. There's an attachment. Now, this is kind of intriguing because it seems to be a double bind. When people were, when I was still in my chiropractic practice in, in Los Angeles and people had heard about the healings, they were coming in. And so I would see my chiropractic patients and the people coming in for healings and Sometimes, let's just say that 
sometimes I would walk into a room and I I'd find someone who was told, take off your shoes, lie down, and the doctor will be in. And I'd walk in and some guy sitting there with his arms crossed and looking, glaring at me and said, I don't want to be here. I'll tell you, I think you're a quack. And how dare you, you know, take money for this. And, and you know, because I had to pay for my chiropractic office. Of course, my time, I was changing that. But, you know, they're going in. And how can you do this and fool all these people? And I said, I'll tell you what. Hmm. Why don't you say to yourself, maybe this is real or maybe it's a bunch of bull. But whatever it is, you've scheduled it. So it's a rare and unique opportunity for you to lie down and rest your eyes for 30 minutes in, in, in the middle of the day. You know, you, you flew in from wherever you lived. So you have a nice vacation in Los Angeles for a week. And the only thing it's an addition it's going to cost you is lying down, resting your eyes and relaxing. These people would have some of the most phenomenal healings. You know who didn't have the healing if anyone didn't? It was a person who came in saying, I know this works. It has to work. I'm sleeping with all the, the healing books I could find under my mattress. And, and I've scotch taped uh, the, the right colored crystals over my chakras and this, that, and the other. And they were so attached to it having to work. They couldn't breathe. There was no allowance it was a trying. The person who didn't believe in it in the first place, well, it's kind of hard to be attached to something if you don't believe it in its existence. Anyhow, so to receive a healing to me is to be the, the best, most open way to do it is to lie down, let go and say, I'm going to observe the experience. If I believe in any higher power, then they already know why I'm here. They don't need me to sit here and say 36 prayers mm -hmm. during the entire session. I can say one prayer once if I want to. It's just a performance because they already know why I'm here. And then I could let go. How many times do you mail the same letter? Once. How many times do you send an email? Once. Do you have to keep saying it over and over? Lay down. Let go. Stop the talking, even if it's just in your mind, and listen. I don't mean make your mind a blank. It's impossible. That'd be a terribly frustrating attempt at an exercise. Receive, listen, observe whatever your experience is and know that whatever comes to you is absolutely perfect instead of in expectation. I want the healing to look like this and smell like this and here it is and I got the frame and this is the wrapping paper I want on it. Allow yourself to re-experience that childlike state of expectancy that you had you know, on a birthday or a holiday when there was a gift you were given all wrapped nice and pretty and you didn't say it had better be this. You open it up for the excitement and the wonder and the awe of it. Allow yourself to receive and observe in the knowingness that what is to be received by you is absolutely perfectly designed. Look, if you're lucky, your healing is going to come in the form that you want it to. But if you're truly fortunate, pardon my use of the word lucky and fortunate to some people who might find that inappropriate, um, then your healing is going to show up in a form that you haven't even dreamt of. One that the universe has designed specifically for you. Wow. I love that. We have to let go of the fears of what if it looks like this or isn't that and instead be in the awe and wonder of it. How many people 
have started to touch on accessing their perfectly natural, simultaneously divine right and ability to facilitate healings, which is really just the recognition that they already are healing, and shied away from it because of fear of the unknown instead of awe of the unknown. You know, we've heard this phrase in, in English translations of the Bible, God-fearing, I'm a God-fearing person of this religion or that religion. But you know, that's not the actual original translation. The word, I believe, stemmed from the um, ancient Hebrew norah, which on its most base, its lowest level, can be taken as a derivative to mean fear. And a lot of times, humanity and the way humans have entered into the spirituality of religion to maintain control, they go for the basest. And they did. God-fearing, ooh, I want to be careful. I want to protect myself from God. Really? What kind of a God wants you to be in fear of them? Only a human interpretation of that would say that. The highest meaning, the higher meaning of that word is awe. Now, doesn't it make more sense to be in awe and wonder of this greater intelligence? Do we really think it wants us to be in fear? It needs that control? No, only humans live behind the illusion of needing control. And not that I have an opinion on the subject. Beautiful. <laughs> Listen, uh, I feel like we could go on forever. This is a beautiful, I'm really loving this conversation. Um, thank you for just sharing so generously. Final question is simply, uh, is simply this. If you were to, you shared so much, but if you were to reflect on your life and everything you've been through in your life, and if you were to extract the three most important life nuggets, life lessons that you've learned, that if you were to pass these life lessons on to the next generation, you feel these three ideas, concepts, you know, uh, wisdoms, insights would evolve the consciousness of the next generation the most. I'm curious what your three life lessons would be. I'm curious too, but you've asked me, so I'm going to have to figure it out. Um, first of all, I've always loved the... Um, the saying, if you love someone or something, set them free. If they come back, they're yours. If they don't, they never were. Um, when you're looking for someone or something, go look in the mirror. It's looking back at you. Um, give away everything you can everything external give away the crystals and the wands all these things are you giving your internal power away to objects give yes. away the techniques it's you giving your internal power away to the techniques. Give away your fear. It's you giving away. It's not, I always say giving away, but 
Give away your fear because your fear is what obscures you from allowing yourself to experience the love that you are. When you give everything away and that last thing you go, oh, am I giving away too much with this? Give that away too, because there is only one thing you can't give away. And that is your being, your essence, the love that you are. And by giving everything else away, you're simply giving away what's been obscuring this recognition in you. It's the most powerful we can do. Our internal power is what is eternal. The external is transient, but we really touched on that too. Could, besides the fact that I think I did three, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm if just, I could I'm just think pulling of a fourth out of you, one, man. which could be the third one, I would. Um, yes. Yeah. Nice, no, beautiful. You right this moment, I don't know that I have it. It's beautiful. You, you shared. You shared a lot, and I think you've given us a lot to think about in terms of life and ourselves and healing in a whole different way. What's the What's the best way people can connect with you and your work? And I love for people to be able well, to uh, experience reconnective healing. the The first book is called The Reconnection. Just like the website is thereconnection.com, the first book is called The Reconnection, Heal Others, Heal Yourself. And you're right, it's in about 40 languages. Um, second book, which is some of the insights from those channelings, is called Solomon Speaks on Reconnecting Your Life. And probably in July, I'm hoping, uh, there will be a new book released, and that is written by um, my life partner and love, Jillian Fleer, um, and myself together. And we're just not absolutely certain of the title yet, or I will tell you. But it will be on the website. It will be on thereconnection.com. You'll find, uh, and you know, for a lot of you, if you just want to join chats and conversations like this, if you go to the website, you'll see the RLC, which is the Reconnective Life Community. And um, on alternate Wednesdays, we either go through parts of um, the Solomon Speaks book, or we do um, a live and love where we chat and it's on Zoom. So you can chat with us in and out of there. We also, um, I do every Wednesday at about... Um, I'm going to say 7.45 um, Pacific time. It would be 10.45 New York time, East Coast time. I do an IG live where um, we sit and, and experience the frequencies. And we also have a few people get together and we talk. And very empowering if you just want to be by yourself and share with us is something called the portal, which is the online level one of reconnective healing, which is very powerful. Jillian and I do that together. And I think the first, um, it's like an eight or 10 hour thing with the first hour is free. So you get to experience and see if it talks to you. See if it talks to you. Awesome. We'll put all of the links in the show notes, folks. Check out Dr. Eric Paul's work, uh, the reconnection, reconnective healing. Thank you so much for just being so generous. And also just for being courageous, man, to just share share your truth, share truth with, with what I felt was such integrity in terms of the, the healing, you know, realms. And so thank you. Thanks for being hey, you. Thank you very much. Um, it's only brave 
if you're in fear of it. You know, people think that, you know, oh, these people are so brave. They're not afraid of anything. If we weren't afraid of anything, we wouldn't be brave because bravery is stepping through that fear. But I'm going to tell you the one thing about reconnective healing that initially let me know that this is who I am and what I am is I'm not brave. There is no fear in the knowingness and the recognition of who you are. There is no fear. It's just love. <laughs> just love. So, Coot, thank you so much for having us on, uh, having me on. I'm used to us because Jillian gives phenomenal presentations and interviews, and it's funny not having her right here um, next to me. But um, thank you for having me on, and who knows? Maybe we'll we'll chat another time, or maybe Definitely. we'll chat with love, Would love to have you, you back and have both of you back at some point. Thank you. Folks, uh, send me an email, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. I would love to hear your key takeaways from today's uh, wonderful episode of the Soul Talk Podcast. Share it with your friends who you feel would be inspired by Dr. Eric Pearl. And until next week, love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.